0: Welcome to a special conference episode of Planning People, the NMA podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, and the last time I brought you a conference podcast, I was still at the bar at the Conservative Party conference last year, wondering if Boris would ever shut up. But I'm pleased to say that we're in much better shape for this episode, which comes to you from the Park Plaza epi- uh, Hotel in Westminster. Last year, we recorded here and the lights went out, so hopefully, I won't be leaving my guests in the dark this time. In this episode, we're going to take the financial planning profession through a mini health check. Remember that trip to the doctors you said you'd do in the new year? Well, that's exactly what we're going to do right now. We are taking financial advice to the GP. Here to look the profession up and down and stick a thermometer in its mouth are two IFAs who definitely know their stuff. It's Darren Lloyd Thomas of Thomas and Thomas Finance and Jeannie Boyle of EQ Investors. Hello to you both. How are you? Hey. Hello. We're well. <laughs> Good stuff. So no one comes on this podcast without doing a quiz. That's the one oh. thing that I didn't warn you about. Oh, and okay. I thought to myself uh, for many minutes uh, before writing this, uh, what am I going to quiz you about? Because I didn't want it to be too serious. and I thought you would have had a day of learning and listening and all sorts of moving around. So I thought I'd quiz you on each other. Oh, oh, Awesome! No. <laughs> how well do you know Jeannie Darren and Jeannie how well do you know oh. Darren? So there are three questions for both of you and okay. there is a tie-break question in case it comes oh up even. Okay. We'll start with you, Jeannie. Okay. Where is Darren's firm based?
1: Wales. Specifically? <laughs> County? Uh-huh. Pembrokeshire? Pembrokeshire? Yay! Yes! She's got <laughs> <laughs> a point. She just got a point. Okay.
0: So, Darren, over yeah. to you. Yeah. What is Jeannie's actual job title, her full job title?
2: I mean, you've sort of given this away in some uh, shape. Okay, so she is the Director of Financial Planning at
0: EQ Investors. London. Are we going to give him that?
1: Yeah, it's okay. got all of the words yeah. in it.
0: One all. Jeannie, how many times has Darren's firm won the regional award for Wales at the NMA conference?
1: Oh, I'd imagine just bloody loads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, Maybe twice although it's, oh, it's a price three. three Darren, times.
0: no cheating signaling the answer to gd I, i'm gonna i'm gonna accept twice and say that it's wrong so oh. keep that, up, keep, <laughs> keep that one all um darren yes eq investors is based in london they are but is it based north or south of the thames oh my
2: gosh um i'm n- n- north it's Correct.
1: definitely north
0: yeah it is north it's right next to the tower of london that's right isn't it
1: it's near the, turf, it's near the yeah, Tower of yeah. London. Near tur- Tower okay. We can see the Thames. Okay.
0: I don't get a point for that. Genie, number five. Yes. How many people work in Darren's office with him?
1: Oh gosh. Stop cheating, Darren. <laughs> <there. laughs> you're you trying to signal me wrong answer. It's it's maybe two two oh, people it's more
0: than great. two it's
2: three, pe- isn't it? Well, yeah, two in the office and one in the at home. So okay. yeah, yeah. I think you should give it that point. Okay, I think, so. okay. I think two I'm in saying. the office. Yeah, so, yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. Uh, Darren, in what yes. year was Genie an anime cover star?
2: Oh, my word. No, then, was that 70 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that was 2017. These guys are unbelievable. That's amazing I how I knew that. i that addition. <laughs> I'm going to,
0: have to ask you the tie break question because oh, okay, okay, you've okay, done okay. this so evenly and fairly. OK, and OK. It's okay. not what I intended to happen. <laughs> um, so who said this? It was either Jean or Darren. Right. <laughs> First to get it, shout out. OK, OK. The word sustainable sounds great, doesn't it? Everyone wants something that is sustainable, but shouldn't every investment be sustainable? Does, Who said that? That's Jeannie. That's me. Oh, oh, that's, me. Jean, oh, definitely. that's
2: definitely That's Jeannie. Darren, Darren you're She's my fellow green eco-warrior. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And Good. we'll come on
0: to that
1: later. OK, because we've, we've got a bit of a challenge for you guys. Yeah. Really?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to cut back your plastic. So we think you should reuse all of the, the things we put around our necks each year. We do. You get points for bringing them back. No, no. But we all take them home and throw them away. You see. Do you? Yes. Do you not them back? Oh.
1: And all the plastic sweetie wrappers yeah. and all the free
2: gifts. Yes.
0: Okay, so Will Robbins, editor of NMA, if you're listening to this, I know that you are a big fan of recycling and yes. you always get annoyed when Amazon packages arrive in your box yes. with mm-hmm. far too many of those things inside, boxes within boxes. Yes. So we will make an effort in 2019 to do that. Thank you for playing. Um, I thought we'd do a little section to discuss how today has gone and okay. um, what has been the best moment of today, Jeannie.
1: Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Priya's talk about innovation and how to deal with staff and retaining talent. I thought that was a really inspirational story. I, I loved the way she just kept going and going and going when she was told no so many times. I think that was... That was a brilliant, brilliant moment.
0: Mm. And she had loads of people coming up to her at the end to talk to her about business, which is always a sign that your speech has gone well, I think. Darren, best takeaway of the day?
2: Well, uh, well actually, I have to be honest and say my, my one was Priya as well. Um, she really, I thought she was really moving. Um, mm. And it, I think as a, a leader of a small business, being authentic is important, and so that's what really hit me, um, but I also really did enjoy Eden Tree's presentation today, as obviously I'm a big fan of the sustainable funds, and it was really, really good to see them actually in the mix, so yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well,
0: take a look out for my big conference interview with them, which I'm doing tomorrow, and will be on the website hopefully yes. next week. A little plug for you there. Um, thank you both for that. Let's on. Let's move on to my financial planning profession health check. Um, The first thing that I want to discuss is good and bad advice. Now, obviously, that's a subjective term. Um, uh, The giving of good advice is crucial, both to ensuring good client outcomes, but it's also sort of vital in 2019 to ensure reputational integrity of a profession that still sometimes carries the the public stigma of things gone wrong in the past. Um, What does it take in 2019 um, to give good financial advice?
1: That's, that's quite a big question you're asking now. I think in 2019, it's going to be more difficult than ever to, to prove your worth. We, mm. I think we're going to face uh, turbulent times in markets. Mm. And I think that's where the financial advice that we're giving and the life planning advice we're giving to clients is really going to be felt by them because you're going to have to demonstrate your, your value set aside from the rising markets that we've seen over the last what, eight years or so, it's, it's been pretty easy uh, for many of us dealing with clients over that period when you're just showing uh, returns yes. year on year. I think helping clients understand and navigate choppier waters is going to be uh, a lesson for some of us, particularly those people who are newer to the profession.
0: Yes, mm, yeah, I'd that's agree. That's a really
2: good point. Yes. I think the other thing is it's about, <clears throat> you know, profit almost has has got to take a second uh, a back seat now. So, uh, you know, uh, clients are no longer going to be able to just be happy with, you know, well, I've got 10% returns. That's just not likely to happen for, I think, probably some years now. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to offer something else. Um, and yes, you bring in the old school thoughts of, you know, cash flow modelling, the old AFP model to financial planning. I think that still has some real worth but actually I think there's a whole new generation of investors who want to know how impactful is my investment? What am I achieving with my portfolio? And I think that's where we, uh, you know, firms like EQ and ours are able to drill down and offer the clients so much more in terms of value in explaining where they're invested and what their financial plan is achieving outside of their own gains, because Mm. maybe their gains aren't gonna be as big as they've been.
0: Mm. Okay. like doctors looking for an undiagnosed condition i have a good question for you both But before i do it i will frame it with the the following phrase i was reading the comments on a story online that we did about dare i say it, db transfers uh, big hot potato and someone was saying that the bad advice that we've seen on db transfers in the past few years um where that has occurred is just the tip of the iceberg um, so i thought okay do we have an advice book you oh, be on the phrase an good, advice I like book. it. So, yeah. where a large oh. amount of advice has been given on a specific topic and some of it may be bad, but only a bit of that bad stuff is visible. Yes. Um, so my question for you two is, we talk a lot about DB transfers, perhaps that's an advice book, but are there any other areas of advice that concern you on other products on... <laughs> 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 the lights have just gone out! I literally <laughs> don't believe this. Ollie, what is that, that your hand I've on my leg? leg. <laughs> the
2: We can't go because you've wired us up as well. So we can't actually stand up. This is a bit... uh, Oh, well, let's just carry on in the dark.
0: I think... So, Elliot, our kind sound man is going to go and try and trigger the lights using... Um, flailing motions. We'd be all right. And, and what while, while we sit in, in the dark, oh, yes, yeah. Looks yeah.
2: Looks Let's talk about the iceberg. I mean, the advice berg. The
0: advice berg. Is okay. there another advice book? So Yes. I, mean, I don't know mortgages or you know interest-only mortgages. Is there an ice on that? Is there? Yeah. What's going on there? Are there any other areas
2: that we need to be keeping? <clears throat> so, Genie, um, if I because I, I, I can't see you, yeah. Uh, I'll, um, I, I do. I do agree that the DB transfer um, market is an advice berg, and it hasn't yet really hit full. Um, problematic intent, and the reason for that is, is because um, markets have fallen quite heavily in the last three to six months, mm-hmm. and a lot of people who took their money out of fairly safe schemes and put it into uh, investments haven't yet realised what they've lost. So I think that's going to be an issue. Uh, the other issue, um, potentially, I think, is robo advice, and um, really? yeah, and in no way, I- I'm not saying that. I know that there are some excellent uh, online offerings out there, uh, which um, you know you can uh, pick up the phone and call, you can get good. Uh, a person to step in at any time, which I know I've seen certainly with EQ. Um, but my worry is there are firms out there which are just direct to client. it's pure rainbow advice, it's very much automated. Um, and my concern is that the way that these um, risk analysis uh, tools work, uh, they do depend very much on historical performance. And because I think we're into a whole new era, when you remove a human from that, mm. I believe there could really be a, a big issue waiting to happen there um, um, over the last eighteen months, been a huge uptick in the amount of people investing uh, via online platforms without advice, mm. and I just think it's a matter of time before they start to look for compensation. And it's
0: fine when the markets are up. Exactly. The, me, when it goes down, yes, you know, they'll be left yes sort of out at sea, exactly, um, looking for help. Yes, Jeannie, any thoughts there?
1: Um, one issue that concerns me, and it's not so much around advice but um, a type of investment more people are doing now is, is peer-to-peer lending. Mm. And I think as, as we move into the, the next phase of the economic cycle, I think there could be some fingers burnt there. Mm. Um, people don't quite realize the, the risk they may be taking on. It's very easy to get involved with crowdfunding and peer-to-peer uh, sites. Um, so, and these things are often marketed as an alternative to cash, which I find slightly alarming. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people who aren't aware of the risk that they've been taking on. Yes, mm,
0: yes. Okay. That's, I think that all of this is going to tie in with a huge focus for the FCA on vulnerable customers. I think we've already seen that sort of dare I mention politics, but on the political stage with lo- you know things like gambling and fixed odds betting terminals, fixed odds betting ter- terminals. I think the FCA is going to continue to scrutinise vulnerable people, and um, that's going to involve looking at people who may use online platforms yes. um, and and may suffer as a result um, of the way that they are set up. Um, We'll, write, we'll go very quickly through the topic of regulation because I don't want this podcast to be too serious. But Darren, our regulatory correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> in the
2: dark. In the dark. With a, a torchlight. And the lights are back on. Oh, the on. light's back on. Oh, there we are. Sort of yeah. Stuff, right? yeah, yeah, we're all right.
0: So my serious regulatory question is, um, to what extent is regulation in the UK and more widely fit for purpose? Uh, where is it helping and where is it hindering? I'm trying to get a sort of nuanced answer because I'm aware that some people might be like, oh, I hate regulation. But we need some regulation. Perhaps we don't need other bits. Of it. Darren, where's it good and where's it bad? Okay.
2: <clears throat> so um, reg- regulation is definitely fit for purpose. You know, we've got uh, a regulator that, that is really, really trying, I believe, to um, not just sort of bring the whole uh, Brexit issue through, because that's a real problem for them. Mm. Um, But they're also trying to cope with rafts of different things that have been coming from Europe. So we have had MIFID II, the GDPR, and so on. We've also got PROD. Um, And now, of course, we've got the FCA's own senior management uh, regime as well. So um, as advice firms, those changes are highly costly. And um, I would say that uh, if if there was one wish I had for 2019, it would be that hopefully changes would be, uh, you know, sort of seized for a while and that we'd actually have some uh, ability to uh, bed in a lot of those changes because when those changes come to an advice firm, if, if they're a decent advice from them, they will take advice on what they need to implement. Mm-hmm. But then putting all of that in place takes a great degree of time, cost, and what have you. Um, and then what you've got to do is you've actually got to go back and fine tune it again, because your first attempt at it will be compliant, but it may not be the most the most right for your business, and so you've got to go back through it again. So having three lots of that legislation to go back over is going to be enough work. So I think that's my biggest concern going forward, is that we just get a a breather, a chance to catch up Mm. on some of the things that we've implemented, but you know, are we confident that we've implemented them as effectively as we can for our individual businesses?
0: Mm. An excellent answer, full of nuance. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much for that. the next set of questions is for both of you. It's about it's about ethical. We mentioned it earlier. Um, we were talking about sort of choppier waters. Darren, you wrote in your sort of market Outlook on the business website for 2019 that, mm. that you did have some hope for things like you know, emerging markets and some sort of strong business potential on other on the other side of the world. Um, where does that fit in with ethical? Because for instance, if I'm a sort of DIY investor and I'm thinking, well, you know, I want to invest in startups that are going to you know, be carrying the global economy through the next 10, 20 years with their tech ideas, providing people who perhaps at the moment living in sort of lower income environment with you know, ways to improve their life. Um, how does that fit with ethical? Because there are going to be lots of companies all over the world that perhaps don't have the best sort of practices. Yeah. They might be involved even indirectly with, say, mining, which doesn't have a great reputation for Yes. health and safety, the yes. treatment of workers how do you marry those two things okay um
2: so my my concern is that I believe that probably Western economies have pretty much hit the end of their usefulness for quite a long time. We're, we're basically over leveraged um, and I don't see, and this is what I wrote about in my article that you read, I don't mm. see really much um, economic growth future for the West full stop. Where I think there is a lot of growth potential are in emerging markets, Asia, India, China and so on. And yeah, the big challenge is, is how do you get ethical investment in those areas because mm. there's such a difference in standards and what have you. Yeah. And do you know what, I really think this is where um, decent active fund managers come in to to play mm. uh, and i think that's where you know again go back to your initial question that's where the value is coming um, for our clients oh, and i think the other thing just to say before i want Jeannie to chip in is that um Sorry, Jeannie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you need to speak. <laughs> Sorry. And what we've noticed is that clients no longer trust politicians. Investors don't trust politicians anymore. Really? So, you know, you go back even 10 years ago and people trusted the political system in the West to work. They no longer trust it. And therefore, they are voting with their money. They are choosing where they put their money to make a difference. So that's why I believe that uh, social and impact and ethical investment has legs.
1: Okay. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Aaron. We have seen over the past few years that world governments are completely incapable of dealing with the big issues. Climate crisis is the biggest threat that we've yes. ever faced yes. uh, in the world, and they are just not up to the challenge. Their thinking is far too short term, uh, and we have an opportunity as people who are responsible for helping people to invest to to be part of the change and to be part of building a more positive world. Innovation uh, and capitalism has some of the solutions to these problems uh, and we can we can be the conduit between the capital and those companies Uh, and for me that's a really exciting opportunity we see we see lots of opportunity some in western markets might disagree with you slightly there uh, but uh, yeah around the world there are companies who are building and designing the things that we can use to get ourselves out of this crisis and yes we need to change some of the things we do as as people Mm. but changing the way we invest can be one of the most impactful things we do
0: Sure. Um, interesting you mentioned about people because I wonder where life planning and life coaching comes in there. Like, do, is that something that clients want to hear? Do, do they really want to be told, you know, actually, you should take the train to your next holiday rather than, you know, get on a Virgin airliner that takes them halfway around the world?
1: Well, they, they already know that. Okay. Um, it's, they already know that whether they do it or not. You know, I fly. I I fly a lot, far too much. Um, but I don't drive, so it's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's my excuse, and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. But they don't need us to tell us what Tell them what to do. They need us okay. to be part of the solution and offer them alternatives. Yeah. Uh, and you're probably the same, Diane. You're seeing more and more clients coming to us because they know we offer yeah. these solutions and the the portfolios that match their principles. I think it's
2: about encouraging them to, to actually go on their own discovery process. Mm-hmm. So, what, I mean, what what EQ have done actually is they've got an incredible tool which shows you the impactfulness of their investment portfolios. It's absolutely brilliant, in fairness. Um, um, but there are other sites like theirs that you can direct your clients to to say, look, have a look. Can see what your impact is your what's your carbon footprint what's this what's that and that's actually really what you're doing is you're, you're helping to take them on discovery process where hopefully what happens is they come to the end of it going do you know what I've really married up now how I am with what I'm doing with my investments gone are the days of yeah just give me profit I think that's over and, and For good, uh, forever. well certainly during my lifetime my, my, my professional career possibly genius as well I just don't think those big returns are so likely.
1: And I think if we look at the, the, the businesses that are being set up now, their purpose is more yes. than just about making profit. Yes. There are more and more business owners and entrepreneurs saying, what, what is the reason behind this yes. company? What am I here to do? Yes. And I think that was reflected in what Priya was saying this morning yes. um, about her business. There has to be a reason beyond just making money. Yes. Those days are over. Yes.
0: Well, I think that's a very good segue for the next sort of Question, which is about accessibility, um, recruitment, time and time again comes up as sort of almost issue number one for, for the practical running of IFA firms. And I know Darren, we've spoken about that before in terms of finding new people to bring on board and whether they fit, um, whether they can go on that qualification journey and not be snapped up by some or, some other firm, um, where, whether there's a good pool of people from the local universities or further education colleges, etc. Towards the back end of last year, we were trying to display the best that financial advice can offer through some of the top 100 financial planning case studies. And we started to realize that, you know, that there was a lot more that we could do as a publication to show the general public, rather than just the niche that we write for, um, that there's a difference that people like you make for clients. Um, what more do you think needs to be done to promote the profession, beyond perhaps just saying about the good news stories?
1: I think we I think we need to to be the change that we want to see. Uh, and shout about the, the impact that good financial planning can have on people's lives. Yes. We we have we've come so so far from the the bad old days of, of yes. product vlogging and commission yes. and we I think the more, the better we become uh, at delivering financial planning, the, the more the profession will sit at the forefront of people's minds when they have a good experience. Yes. You know, it used to be a little bit shameful to say you're an IFA, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's not anymore. No. Uh, and for me, that's brilliant. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with you there, definitely. Also I think firm by firm, advisor by advisor, we are making small inroads and changes and you can see the evidence of that at this conference. This is my 10th year of coming here and I've seen the kind of average age of IFAs and the people in the room and the gender changing um, and that's really great. Yeah, so I think we are. I think we are making a difference on an individual firm basis. You know, the universities, colleges, sixth forms really do need educating that there's more to wanting to work with numbers than accountancy. There is this profession called financial planning. It's really important that we locally do our job to educate our, you know, educators so that they understand there is a route they can offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think at this point, we should be probably mention the Next Gen Planets Group, who yeah. yeah. I think are doing brilliant work yes. to promote the profession. The new training contract looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think officially now, Darren, we're in between us. Yes. Um, we're, not, we're not young, I'm afraid. Well, you are. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. Um, but we're, <laughs> yeah. we're not the younger generation. Yeah. But seeing some of the, the newer firms that are being set up um, and the energy and the yes. passion that they have is yes. it's really inspiring.
0: It is. I was thinking about this earlier, and I ended up having a chat with um, Lee, Ball, uh, Lee yeah. Waters from Barlow yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. And he, you know, he was saying the same thing as, as you, but he was he was sort of sceptical a bit about the resourcing because there's only so much that next gen can do. So we were saying, you know, this is really something that perhaps needs some form of endorsement or sponsorship by the trade bodies. You know for the CISI, it would be great if they could do that.
2: Um, I think the problem is, is they do a bit, and I'm not generalizing here, but you do see you, you they, they will do a bit and then they may withdraw. So, um, what we've done personally, I mean, I, I've you know, I, I've got Emma and Katie now, I've just trained them myself from mm. scratch and I've funded everything myself. I haven't looked for any help because actually it's a bit um intermittent the help that you get, and sometimes that can be a little bit concerning. So. You know, I, th- I think you can do it on your own. I, th- I think it's just whether you want to. You know, how hungry are you for change? Um, but bringing those two into the business has completely transformed our business. You know, um, and uh, like they said earlier in one of the the, the the speeches, is you know the boss should speak last. You know, let let the younger generation speak because actually they've got amazing ideas. Um, so yeah,
0: Jeannie, it seems to me that EQ Investors has sort of really strong culture. Mm-hmm. Um, are there, are there sort of further things that the business wants to work on this year and beyond to, you know, improve that still further?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we are a B Corp. Um, that's really important to our culture. So we've, we've signed up to to be the change. We've signed up to uh, make a commitment, not just to our shareholders, but to our our clients, to the community, to the environment, to make sure that we are delivering positive impact in everything that we do. Uh, so we deliver through our portfolios, um, they're very impactful, and we've, as Darren mentioned, we can now measure that, but we want to make sure that we as a business are doing all the right things too. So that's going to be really important to us in the, over the next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of, like, I guess, the accessibility angle for the general public, making sure that the general public know about financial advice as, as an option. That goes hand in hand with um, uh, improving the profession's image and its sort of accessibility for people entering it and starting yeah. it, because that just creates a positive loop, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. Um, let's have a final chat about.
1: Consolidation
0: Consolidation was a story of last year that seemed to rumble on in quite a consistent way. Yes. It wasn't like DB transfers in the newsroom because DB transfers sort of spiked and um, pulsated through the year, but Consolidation rumbled on and there was story after story of um, smaller firms selling to bigger firms and back end of last year we did some some articles on a a podcast on, on that to ask questions about how IFA's navigate selling and whether it's um, how they know whether it's sort of the right thing to do to sell to a bigger firm. Do you think that at the moment, small firms really have the resources to know that they're doing right by their clients and staff by selling to big companies? So I I got the impression that... When these smaller companies go through that process, they are in the dark. It's the, often the first time they've ever done it, so yes. they can be forgiven for being in uncharted waters yes. in the first place. Yes, but it doesn't seem like smaller business owners get that much help. No, actually, no. other than through their own intermediaries, like lawyers and you know perhaps their business colleagues, friends, contacts, etc.
1: Mm, I don't think there are, there, are, there are many places you can go unless you are going to talk to someone who's been through yes. that process and you know. What do you do when you're, you're at that point where you have a small business and you're looking to perhaps move on? I'm not going to criticise anyone for selling out to mm. a consolidator. I think what's been really interesting is the different ownership models that have come to the forefront over yeah. the last year. I think Chris Budd has done some amazing work around um, employee ownership. We're, we're a staff-owned business. Yes. Um, and our clients take a lot of comfort from that because they know that they're not going to go through the situation where they're going to suddenly have a new owner and a new share structure, a new charging structure, a new proposition. Um, But I I feel for people who've built up a business and come to the point where they they need to realise that asset and move on. Um, And I don't think there are are many other options available to them.
2: No, Mm. No, It's it's shark infested waters, it's as clear as that. I actually think it's more of a systemic issue. So if you look at the legal profession, I believe they're probably about five years ahead of where we'll end up as things are going. The legal profession has been through this massive kind of consolidation exercise where Lots and lots of small, you know, one and two man practices have been bought out by bigger players, mm. and, and they haven't had a gun held to their head. The reason they've sold is because actually their professional indemnity has gone through the roof. They're right. struggling with all the regulation. Does it sound familiar? Mm. And so, you know, if we look at what's going to happen, I would predict uh, that we'll go from some thirteen thousand or so IFAs in the country to less than a thousand within the next five years or so. And I think that it's, it's, re- it's going to gather a lot of pace. And the reason behind this is that there's just too much now for a really small firm to cope with. I started my firm from a bedroom uh, you know, 12 years ago with my wife and we were quite capable now. We couldn't cope without the, the small team we've got and mm. we know we've got to grow our way out. Mm. Um, you know, We've got no plans to pack up. We love what we do but actually it requires a heck of a lot of work to, to keep growing and keep going. And I just think that, um, yeah, these offers are quite tempting. The trouble is, is you hear a lot of you know really worrying stories about actually the IFA getting ripped off mm. um, and losing out, but also, uh, so sadly, the clients getting ripped off because the consolidators can sometimes view the clients as just literally a cash cow. Uh, and I, I hope that MIFID 2 will help a little bit with that in regu- mm. regards to the requirement for servicing for trail. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we, you know, it really is a big story, and it would change the face of our profession, uh, you know, unless uh, there's a great deal of will, um, probably from the regulator and government, to stop that happening.
0: Mm. Of all the things that we've spoken about you know, in the last half an hour, we've got uh, regulation, consolidation, recruitment, accessibility, ethical, uh, the advice Adviceberg, of <laughs> good and bad <laughs> advice. Can't believe my. Okay. And the lights out. I'm a genius. Yeah. And the lights out. Yeah. Which of those topics do you think is is the most urgent priority for the profession to improve on? Genie.
1: I think the profession needs to grasp the idea that clients can access more ethical and impactful portfolios without hurting their returns.
0: Mm. Okay. Darren?
2: Yeah, I think that the, the, the advice profession needs to understand that the days of collecting a trail or recurring income for not doing too much are over. Mm. And that's, you know, I'm not blaming anybody, but you need to now be able to deliver demonstrated value. And that's going to require more resource, more time, more effort, and especially, yeah, more money, and especially being able to show impactfulness within your portfolio. I think it's going to become a huge issue, as Jeannie says.
0: Mm. OK. What an interesting point on which to end. Um, a huge thank you to you both for joining me. It's Welcome. been wonderful, despite the problems with the lights. <laughs> Sorry to listeners. <laughs> uh, tonight we have our gala dinner and annual awards, so I will let them both go and get ready for that. Thank um, you. Best of luck to you both. Thanks, both for awards. Um, but in the meantime, all that remains to say that is that if you like what we do on this podcast, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review if you're feeling generous. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. <laughs>